Hello and welcome to Connected episode 284. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Squarespace, Bowl and Branch, and SaneBox. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Hi. <laughs> you did it wrong, but thank you. I miss an episode, so y'all's even episode is my odd episode. No, that's not how it works. I just got it wrong, really. Yeah, okay. but it's in there now. Yep. Hey, Federico. Hi, Federico. Hello, I'm also here. Yay, Federico, do you feel uh do you feel as angry as I do when I'm when I'm not announced correctly? Not particularly. Um okay. I am disappointed in Steven, but I'm not yeah. upset. You Steven, are you gonna issue another apology, another public apology? No. If you do it too often, it cheapens them. Are you gonna publish a fleet about it, whatever they're called? What are they called? I gotta, I gotta move to Brazil. Yeah, Twitter stories, whatever. What's it called? Fleets? Fleets. A fleet. I gotta say, I like that name. Tweets are fleeting, you know. I can't tell it. if it's ha, ha, ha. A, a really good name or a really bad name. I think, it, but that I think means it's really good. Probably. Anyways, we have just a lot of stuff to do. I'm very glad to be back. I missed y'all last week. I really enjoyed listening to the show. Uh, thank you to everyone who sent me weird fish. A lot of people did it in Twitter DMs, which I didn't expect. <laughs> like, what is happening? Wait, your DMs open? Yeah. Oh, well, then you bring that upon yourself, don't you? No, it's, uh, only sometimes creepy things happen. I just want to say something. I, 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 I regret none of my tattoos, but at this time, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at this time, yeah. I have, uh, you know, the thought of the timeliness of my weird fish tattoo has hit me over the past couple of days. Because people are using that emoji as For coronavirus, coronavirus emoji. Yeah, even though yeah. it's not a virus emoji, like it's not called the coronavirus emoji i think a lot of people well the coronavirus the actual virus looks like that emoji it sort of does yeah does <laughs> that's it? the problem yes well it kind of does you know with the with what all the does. tiny circles around the bigger ball <laughs> uh it kind of does like look like it um so i oh it does keeping, oh I no have, uh, i have been keeping my my inner arm hidden from other people you know just because like what bandaged this is this is your revenge is it though because yes because you had to bandage that to hide it from us in your meanness so now you have to hide it from the world yeah so this is your revenge mm. possibly okay we should do follow possibly. up mike do you want to tell okay. us about the bbc so the BBC is a is a uh, funded a, okay. a publicly funded okay. organization not... that produces television shows mm -hmm. and radio shows and uh, news and stuff like that. And there's a thing called uh, uh, the TV license that we will have to pay. And then, uh, but why would it be in our follow up? Could we maybe get to that part? Oh, because. They purchased the same Getty image that I purchased of Tim Cook standing in front of our artwork on w at WWDC 2016, and just in the this is the image that they used of Tim Cook uh, to talk about Apple opening its first Indian store in 2021, which I read apparently Donald Trump helped with. I read somewhere, or at least I saw a headline, and that's all that news is these days, right? It's just a headline that you see, and then that becomes the facts. Was it 2016? 2018? I said 2016, right? Yeah, I think Oof. it was... I think it was 2018, because it wasn't so. this year, it was the year before. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, so a lot of people send us this. This image pops up from time to time. Yeah. It's always good to see it. Um, you know, obviously they chose it because of us. 
You love to see it. We should also acknowledge the fact that in the first version of the story, Tim Cook was uh, spelled with the final E. So Tim Cook with a with a yep. E at the end. Is that the, like the Scottish spelling or the Irish spelling? Cook with an E is a pretty typical uh, way of spelling. Cook. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's like in America, shop is S H O P, but in Britain, it's S H O P P E. Same thing. Yes, yeah, added yeah, the yeah. E. Yep. Ye oldie, ye oldie Tim, as we call him. Ye, ye oldie E. Yep. Really. Wait. Ye oldie. Is, is it true about the shop? It's not yeah. true about the shop, right? Yeah. Well, okay, well, okay. Like technically, yes, but also no at the same time. Really? So it's like shoppy. That is the old <laughs> English way of, of of it. Yeah. In America, oh. you see it on places that want to look fancy. So, like, you would have photoshoppy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's yeah, it. That's it. The oldie photoshoppy. It's just when you would take like other paintings and just lay them over each other. That's that's photoshoppy. Wow, interesting. Okay, well, I like the. I think it's kind of funny the way that like the BBC, like the style guide of BBC, is like Mister Cook. Well, the New York Times does that too, but they put a period after Mister. And the BBC doesn't. It's just MR space cook. I Anyways. didn't know that that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know what the, the rule is in, in British English for that. Or English, I should say. Oh, God damn. Please send your feedback to Casey. <sighs> Federico, do you want to tell us about unhomekitting a Logitech camera? We received a tweet about the problems that we talked about um, last week, about the fact that if you wanted to... Uh, well, I had to remove a Logi Circle 2 camera from my existing HomeKit configuration, and because I had previously flashed the HomeKit Secure Video Firmware uh, on the camera, I could not do that setup from scratch using the Circle app from the App Store, because now that camera can only talk to HomeKit. And listener... A uh, friend of the show, Jonathan, uh, let us know, he sent us a screenshot that basically tells you that if you want to reset your uh, Circle 2 cameras to not be HomeKit cameras only anymore, you have to place a phone call or otherwise contact Logitech support. So if you want to unflash the firmware, if you want to go back to the way it used to be, that the Circle 2 camera could be configured and used within the Circle app and HomeKit, but without HomeKit Secure Video, if you want to go back, you need to talk to Logitech and let them do it for you. I'm guessing that they will uh, have you uh, download the special firmware file that can override the newer version. Uh, but there's a screenshot, there's a, a documentation page on the Logitech website. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not touching this. I'm not doing this. I don't want to contact anybody. This is like when you sign up for, <laughs> for those... This is like when you sign up for those online subscriptions... And they force you to get in touch with technical support, like with customer support, if you want to unsubscribe. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, when I subscribed to the, was it the Wall Street Journal that yeah. forced you to get in touch with support? And I came up, well, came up is, is a strong expression. I Googled and I discovered that <laughs> if you have a, a California zip code due to regulations in California, um, if you just change that in your account, you will gain the option to do it yourself. You will uh, if you're a California resident, uh, all these online services are uh, forced by law to offer uh, an unsubscribe button. So if you have a, this is totally a tangent, but if you have an online service that is requi- that is requesting you to get in touch with customer support, just change your zip code to any California zip code and it's very likely that you will gain an unsubscribe button. In any case, this is different. This is not an online service. If you want to roll back the firmware of your Logi Circle 2 camera, 
you have to contact Logitech. So even if you live in California, that doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, just get in touch with them and go back to the previous version. Honestly, I would like if I could if I could do it myself, I would probably go back because it it hasn't been hasn't been great so far. This home kit secure video stuff hasn't yeah. been. Uh, you know, all my uh, anytime we're we're not home, every single time I get the notification that says. Uh, the camera has detected a person and every single time is that person and I'm sorry to bring this up on the show but that person is my dog's butt so <laughs> I'm not sure why <laughs> that particular shape is recognized is that as a- like when you see like faces in toast you know, yeah, like kind of like that. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like that. Uh, every single time the, the snapshot from the camera is uh, Zelda's uh, Rear yeah. end. Rear end. Yes, let's say that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Every single time, like, my heart skips a bit. Oh, no, no. I'm like, oh, no, they finally broke in. But no, it's just my dog jumping on the bed. River bearing it all to the world. Yes, yes, to the camera. So we spoke last week about um, two things. One, that the technical support pages for HomeKit Secure Routers request, suggested that for your devices to work with the new settings, you needed to remove them all and re-add them to your home app again. Uh-huh. And also at the same time, the Eero had added support for HomeKit Secure Routers. Uh, and we heard from a bunch of uh, enterprising and daring individuals, uh, JJ being one of them, that somehow the Eero app and the whole Eero system will allow you to enable secure router support without needing to re-add everything. So this is all very confusing to me okay. because Apple published the documentation, but the Eero app itself and whatever it does and whatever Eero's implementation of the system is means that people are reporting to us. I have not done it. I don't think any of us here have done Mm-mm. it. I'm afraid. Because um, <laughs> um, I just got an Eero for my new studio that I'm setting up. I'll talk about all this at some point in the future. It's great. Like it's a really, like that app is wonderful. Like the Eero app is really nice. Has been a sponsor, not a sponsor. Wasn't able to get one until now because they've only recently launched in the UK. But they're really nice. It's really nice. But And it's suggesting that I re-add all my other devices via HomeKit. And I'm like, nah, I'm fine. Mm. But we've heard from many listeners that this is something that uh, they have done and it was working fine for them. So I don't know what's going on there. I want to mention that somebody, I don't remember who because I didn't save the tweet, but somebody let me know that there probably was a way for me to avoid having to uh, re-add all of my HomeKit accessories uh, um, after I changed my Wi-Fi network. Mm. And basically this person told me, look, all you need to do was create a new network with the same name and the same authentication and the same subnet mask. And at that point, oh, it's my. like, I'm like, yeah. yeah was uh, that all I needed to do? So, so I'm so disappointed in me for not remembering about, not remembering about the subnet mask. I mean... You know, so this is stupid. the kind of stuff that Steven, Steven would have known about. Oh, yeah. You know, Steven has all the masks, the subnet and the, and the you know, the, the regular net. You have all the masks. And mm-hmm. I, am, I hereby apologize to, to everybody for not remembering about the subnet mask. Sorry. I'm, I'm Steven, do you sorry. know what a subnet mask is? Yeah, of course he does. Yeah. Oh. Doesn't everybody? Okay. <laughs> okay. Fine. <laughs> Lastly, someone, and I I tried finding who, and I couldn't find it, so I apologize, but someone sent us a screenshot of the Apple trailers website, and they have fixed it since. 
but apparently the header and footer were broken. And I just bring this up because the bottom of the page just said Apple footer in like giant text. But uh, <laughs> now they fixed it again. So uh, that's a little bit of a, of a letdown for the show. But isn't it more exciting and interesting that somebody did fix it? Yeah. Somebody, yeah, somebody is working on this website. Look, we're on to you. In single person who works on this site. Yeah, We're we've, keeping track. I've of emailed with them. <laughs> <laughs> we know you're out there. Only We're, you are emailing with this person, though. And just to let you know that your, your work is appreciated. Wait, there's a movie you. called Connected coming out? Oh, yeah. I didn't really want to talk about this, but I guess we have to now. Yeah, there is. It's uh, <laughs> Yeah, there is. It's a movie called Connected. Uh, it's, I think it's probably... And the good. O is the upgrade logo. Come on, Sony! I think this is this potentially could end up being a problem for us, but I guess we'll have to deal with that at the time that we need to. Somebody at Sony just started listening to Relay Podcasts, it seems. Well, but that could be a problem for us, though, right? Like, you, you see the, yeah. the issue with, like, trademarks and all that kind of stuff? But yeah. we'll see what but, happens. But, yep, there is also, a movie says, called Connected coming out. Also, the logo says con connected like the con is on a different level yeah of because the it's text. connecting it's like no 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 it's connected. not it's no no is it because it's, it's a con it, no 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 it the movie trailers trailers fun it's from the same people who made like the spider-man uh into the spider-verse and lego movie it's from sony pictures animations it's the people behind those movies as well like the directors and stuff um right as directors but it's about the like bad side of technology so it is the oh, no. con right Okay. Uh, so it's not like a con, like you're a con man. No. Well, there uh, is. it does actually seem to be a little element of that in it too, but I don't think that's what they're going for. So no, but a, did they have a photo of Tim Cook in front of the Connected, the movie logo? I bet maybe they, they will. <laughs> like That doesn't seem outside of the realm of possibility. But yeah, this I don't know. Stephen, you're the legal eagle. Uh, I don't know if this will be a problem for us, but I am, concern, I am genuinely quite concerned nah, about it. I'm not worried. I mean, look, Sony comes knocking. We'll just take them on a court. We can take Sony. Mm-hmm. No, I don't All think right. it's a problem. Uh, okay. but, but I also won't see the movie. So take that, Sony. Oh, it'd be, it will be good, though. I will see the movie. Okay. Mm. Maybe you can do movies. A, maybe we can do that as our membership special. <laughs> I mean, we, yeah. can, we can change your name, but Sony has to give us PlayStation 5s in advance. Yeah, that's that the is the, that's the terms of the deal, Sony, if you're listening. <laughs> Wait, that we doesn't work three... for all of us. Hang on. No, it does. It does. Because you can make a YouTube video about it. It'll be great. Exactly. We'll get three advanced <laughs> PlayStation 5s before any other news outlet. And then yep. we will change the name of our show no, to Connected we'll consider. To. Two. We'll change it to Connected 2. And then if you want to do a sequel, then we need to talk about the PlayStation 6. So yeah. That's, yeah. those are the terms of our deal. Mm-hmm. When you guys prepare mm-hmm. that contract, yep. I'm going to tell everybody about our first sponsor. Mm-hmm. This okay. episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea with unique domain name, award-winning templates, and much more. Maybe your site needs to have an online store or a portfolio or a blog or image galleries or podcasts. Anything you need to do, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you get it done. There's nothing to install. There's no patches to worry about. No upgrades are needed. You just don't have to worry about that kind of stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. It lets you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. 
Just last week, I launched uh, a new site for my brother's nonprofit. We built it in Squarespace, and it is a massive site. There's lots of content, lots of things going on, and Squarespace makes it really easy. And the best part is he can go in now and update his content, update the blog, do all these things without my help, which is uh, pretty awesome. Squarespace plans start just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com connected. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com CONNECTED and the code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase. I'd like to thank Squarespace for the support of this show and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. I've been working with the chat room uh, while we record live to come up with the future names for the show as Sony continues to buy us out over time. Mm -hmm. So uh, we are now connected. uh, And so I've decided to go with Fast and Furious style naming here. Okay. So the second, so the first rebrand will become Connectude. So just be like the number two in the middle. So like T-W-O-D, right? C-O-N-N-E-C-T-W-O-D. Or two connected, two connection is another option for Mm. the second. Uh, For the third is connected, but with a number three in the space of the first E, right? Of course. Right? You see how that works? And then the fourth one will be connected, but with a four instead of a T. And then we'll okay. become Connected Origins as we reboot the entire show for the fifth right. installment. You forgot about Connected Tokyo Drift, though. Yeah, th- so uh, No Grass Will Grow suggested Connected Tichi Joy-Con Drift, which is it's, it's right. pretty good. excellent. Please. Does Steven know what a Joy-Con Drift is? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Oh, yeah, he has Do a you? Switch. He has a Switch. Yeah, a Switch. Okay. I have not experienced this problem, but I know people have. Interesting. So you do know. Huh. I do know. Yeah. yeah, man of surprises. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Federico, you have gone just an all-out war against uh, your home pods. Yeah. You've turned yeah, on your children. Uh, in the end, Sylvia won. Um, this is the basic conclusion of the story. So I mentioned over the past month how Siri activation on accidental Siri activation on the home pod became extremely pro- problematic to the point where the the three HomePods that we have in our house were just randomly activating themselves multiple times a day. Just out of the blue, uh, we were watching TV, again, in Italian, or we were talking, and just randomly you would hear, I'm on it, or let me work on that. And like you would have no idea what happened behind the scenes, what, what the HomePod was actually doing. Uh, one time... It tried to send a message to a certain John in my address book. I'm, to this day, might have been John Voorhees, might have been John Syracuse or John Gruber. We'll never know. Um, and finally, the last... Uh, is it a, an American expression? The last straw? Is that something that you say? Was when today it picked up, out of nowhere, a phone number. And it confirmed to me, okay, I'm calling like 1237890. And I had to rush to the HomePod and, and touch the top of the display to say and say stop because I panicked. Mm. So that was enough. Uh, and I had to, Sylvia started yelling as usual at the thing. And she told me like, uh, you make a decision, either you disable Siri or I will unplug them all and throw, me, throw them in the trash. 
That is, so, that is uh, quite an ultimatum. <laughs> so I had to go in the home app settings and disable uh, the Siri activation for all the home pods. Because I, I mean, I got to agree with Sylvia. This is too much. This is uh, an impossible situation to be mm-hmm. in with this assistant that like at least three times a day, at the very least, just out of nowhere, activates itself. Now, I don't know if it's because I, I live in Italy and and the HomePod, of course, doesn't speak Italian. It speaks, it speaks English, and that creates a confusion. But ever since I tweeted about it today, a bunch of people got in touch with me to say that it, it, the accidental activation also happens in English if you say the word, for example, C, just right in a way that the HomePod picks it up. Or... Uh, some a couple of people at least told me that they have dogs named Macy, and that also seems to trigger Siri on the HomePod. So you saying that about names? Super quick tangent. I had somebody uh, write to me. I don't remember where it was. They were asking me a question, and they were they were saying that like there is a kid in this person's child's school whose name is Siri. Oh my! And their life is a nightmare. Because oh everybody just says, hey, Siri, to them all the time, right? Oh, my God. Oops, just turned on mine. Obviously, that was bound to happen. <laughs> uh, but, like, how terrible for that poor person to have that name. Because they may be, like, old enough where, like, it wasn't a problem when the parents named... Like, that kid's, like, nine or ten. That could have just been a name, right? Mm-hmm. And But now, like, this person will spend probably their entire life having this joke. Even after Siri is gone, right? Like all the people her age will remember it. (laughs) Yeah, that that's a brief aside. So, like, just it could be worse. Your name could be Siri. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it could be worse. Mm -hmm. So, but now basically the story is, my HomePods are just uh, speakers. They are music speakers and AirPlay automation devices for HomeKit and for my alarm system, but. We are not using them for Siri requests anymore. And whenever I need to use Siri, I just pick up my phone and I long press the side button. And I so you you haven't got it on your phone anymore. No, nowhere. It's gone nowhere. everywhere. It's gone everywhere. I guess you have the Apple Watch though, right? You could do the raise thing. Does that no, work for you? Never works. So oh, okay. I, no, but I disabled it everywhere on my iPhone, on the iPad, on the watch. Um, it's gone. It's gone. I, I don't use it anymore. And whenever I need uh, Siri, I can just um, touch and hold on the two HomePods that are within reach. Uh, or I can just use my phone. The As I mentioned before, Siri on the watch has also been problematic for me in that it, it often asks me to repeat what I just said. It seems more reliable on the phone if you hold down the side button. So I'm very bummed about this, of course, because I do love the idea of a persistent home assistant that can listen to you everywhere but the combination of being unable to tell what exactly siri heard compared to say um the Amazon Echo that gives you a log of all the uh, audio activations that you can review and listen to again this cannot be done with the Apple system uh, so the combination of that obscurity and the fact that it just kept happening and it just wouldn't stop um in the end, as I said, Sylvia won. Uh, she was right. And uh, they are now just music speakers and quite expensive music speakers, you know. Uh, because Can I ask you... you a question? Yeah. This is just like a thought that popped into my mind. Is the HomePod available in Italy now? No. Do you think that there is a 
often used Italian phrase that sounds like it? Well, I mean, the obvious that, one... That would be the thing that would make the most sense to me here as to why you are having the problems that you are having. Yeah. So one of the... Um, it's not really an expression. So in Italian, uh, the word yes is si, right? Uh, S-I. And uh, uh, colloquialism, I guess, when you're talking to somebody... Like in English, like in a conversation, you would say something like, yeah, like, like when you agree with somebody, you just say, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. In Italian, we would say, eh, si. I've like, heard you e say that. That's what I was thinking because I couldn't remember it. But like I've heard you when you, if you, if I'm ever around you and you're talking on the phone, I've heard you say, make that noise before. Yeah, I, and I yeah. expect that's, that could be it, right? And this isn't. That's exactly uh, one of them. This isn't a thing where it's like, oh, but it's okay, right? Because that's not what I'm, you know, it's not what I'm getting at. It's just like I'm wondering what it could, if there is something which makes it worse for you. And my thought yep. was that, like, considering it's not available in Italy or in Italian, like, oh, my God. Okay. It's happening to me anyway, so like clearly it's not it's not an Italian thing. I don't know why this is happening to me so much today, but like uh, that, I I just figured that that might be a, a particular problem that you're having. I don't know. That is definitely one of the one of the sounds that we make when we're just talking, or something that you would just hear on TV, just something that people say all the time. Mm -hmm. And obviously, all of this would be you could say fixed if only there was the option to change the activation phrase and make it a custom one. Uh, I believe you can on other smart assistant You can at speakers. least change. I don't think about custom, but... You Maybe can you can choose change, between multiple you know. options, but mm -hmm. it would be like, you know, something like Hey HomePod. It would be much more different from the sound and the noises that we make when we talk to each other in Italy. Yep. Yep. So that's definitely part of the problem. And of course, something that Apple cannot account for, but... Honestly, like, even if that's the the excuse, right? People could say, "Well, this happens because you bought a HomePod in the U.S. and you live in Italy, and it's not supposed to be used like that." But let me ask you then: Why wasn't this happening three years ago? So you know, three years have passed, and in theory, technology has gotten even smarter. And it wasn't happening three years ago with the Echo that I also bought in the U.S. and you know, and I mean, we have words that are similar to the name of the Amazon assistant. We have like people names that are similar to that. And it wasn't happening. I have observed something interesting about my Amazon Echo recently. Like Adina pointed it out to me and we were like testing it out together. Uh, so we have an Echo show, right? And when you start when you give it the trigger phrase, the little blue light line, kind of blue line appears along the bottom of the screen rather than there being the physical light. And we'd notice that if we said the word, like, all right, I'm going to say it, sorry, everyone. if we said the word Alexa in part of a conversation whilst talking about the Echo, uh, because I don't know why we would do that, but we just bought some new ones. So like maybe that was it, right? Um, what we'd noticed is if you said the word but continued talking, the light went on and off again. Yeah. As if yeah. it was working out that it wasn't supposed to be paying attention. Like, oh, yeah, they're not talking to me, basically. And I think it's because all of these systems are currently listening, right? Like, they're always listening, and but they like have like a buffer on them or something, like in very simplistic terms. So maybe what there's some kind of machine learning that it's doing where it's analyzing what was said before 
and mm. is disregarding it if it thinks that it's part of a conversation. Because then we were just testing it and we're just putting the word in the middle of sentences and it wouldn't take the request. It would just turn off. So I don't know if like Amazon's doing something different here to Apple, but anecdotally, I would also say it happens way less to me mm-hmm. with my uh, Echo devices than with my Apple devices. Yeah. Siri is a bit uh, over eager to help. And I wish there was like a slider that allowed me to say, well, like define the eagerness of Siri to get in touch with me and offer the help. Like like a threshold, right? That you could set a different level of, of activation. But until that changes or at, until it becomes public knowledge that all these accidental activations have, have been fixed, uh, the setting is li- very likely going to stay off because I don't want to hear Sylvia yell at the thing and me um, as, a, as a result uh, because of these problems. So... These kinds of the problem with these kinds of issues, though, is how are you going to know? Flipping the switch on again without telling Sylvia and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Testing your relationship. The setting is gone on all my three HomePods. One of them says that I gotta reconnect my iCloud account. Oh yeah. And no matter how many times I tap in my password, it says that there's an error. So whatever. You're whatever. not reconnecting hard enough. What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. I know. I've got one that does that. It's just like I just have given up. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it still works as an AirPlay speaker, so whatever. It does seem like you have this a little bit worse than others, but we definitely have this in our household. And the, the one that really gets my wife upset is when it goes, hmm? Like, it's like, yeah. hmm? Mm. And she, it just like put, really pushes her buttons in a way that I find sort of funny. But uh, we have some follow out. Mike, do you want to walk us through this? Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, well, because I'm not a part of any of it, so I guess yeah. I should do it. Uh, yeah, Federico the, was the on uh, the talk show. It was an excellent episode. Um, and I was really actually genuinely very pleased that Federico was on the show because I just thought it was nice. But also, I thought it was really good to hear you and John Gruber go at it like head to head, especially about iPad multitasking, because I think what it ended up proving, which I think is always useful in these discussions, is that you end up falling in the middle, mm-hmm. right? Like everyone is closer to the middle of the argument than they appear to be when on their own. And like when two people can kind of have it out and talk about it, like it's use- it's like a useful conversation. So I thought it was really good to hear. And I thought it was really good to hear uh, John clarify some of his thoughts and I didn't really find myself disagreeing with mm-hmm. any of it which yeah. I think is different to how we have all, both me and Federico especially have reacted to some of the things that he's been writing recently so I thought it was a very good conversation um, so and if you listen to last week's episode of this show which you probably did it's actually a really nice bridge because there was some of the stuff we were talking about was coming up there too but with a slightly different take so I thought it was a really good episode and Federico you did a wonderful job thank you thank you I appreciate it it was a very fun discussion uh, Stephen was on uh, Sarah Dietschy's podcast That Creative Life and it was a very interesting interview and discussion uh, it gets very in the weeds in a nerdy great way about podcast <laughs> advertising yeah. which I think people might enjoy who listen to this show because like us podcast nerds love podcast nerdery mm-hmm. right so there might be some good stuff there but uh, also Sarah is just like a really great creator and she thinks about things in a 
in a way that like I think people that are slightly younger than us approach online media now and so we're, you know we're all a bit old fashioned here now which I, I hate to admit but like the more young people especially YouTubers that I follow I realize that our ways are a bit more old fashioned and it makes me feel older uh, but Sarah approaches her kind of creative life no pun intended hey, uh- in a really interesting way um, and it was it was really it was really fun to hear the two of you kind of talk things through because I think there was like a a mutual thing where it was like oh I hadn't thought of it that way I hadn't thought of it that way and it was yeah it was really yeah good. crossing the generational divides That's yes what, exactly what I do. It's like I do with y'all every week every single week uh, you also said very nice things about me and Federico so I always appreciate that and uh, this one you know Stephen has some merch available so you should go buy Stephen's merch yeah that'd be sweet thank you. They're actually really nice t-shirts. Yeah. And uh, two things. One, which I like. One, Stephen made a long sleeve version of his new 5 Tall Pixels t-shirt because I asked him to. And two, one thing I didn't ask and you didn't do and I'm really pleased is you didn't print anything on the back. Yeah, just the front. You have done that in the past with the back printing and I don't like the back printing. So I'm pleased you didn't do that. And it's a fun little joke. If you don't get the joke, because I didn't initially get the joke, but when I did, I really liked it. It's a pun on its hip to be square. Mm-hmm. Um, so go and check out Steven's t-shirt. But yeah. Stevensmerch.com. Steven, that- yeah, have you got that? Stevensmerch.com? Oh, come on, guys. Stevensmerch.com. Stevensmerch.com. <laughs> Make me buy a domain. <laughs> you hope it's available, or Stevens, another Stevens making a lot more money than you. See if it's available. Let me tell you from my own personal experience uh-huh. having an actual URL to send people to to get your merch, which is memorable, is much better for your merch. Like you will note that on this show and on Upgrade as well, I've also bought specific URLs when we do merch because it is. It is very useful because you hear this and you're driving and you're like, oh, I have to check. And you forget. You know? Right. Connectedmerch.com. <laughs> there are, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing available. Uh, maybe at some point there will be. I guess we should, uh, you know what? Bef- let's, let's, let's talk about the, uh, the merch elephant in the merch room right now. Hmm. which is like the reason Steven did his merch, which is probably pointless now, which is for WWDC. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> now, look, right? you're going to look good is... sitting at home the first week of June. But that's not why people do merch at this time of year, right? Like, we're all thinking about, like, oh, do we want to do merch for WWDC? It seems to be, like, the typical thing that people do. You do merchandise for the fact that people will want to wear your merchandise to your live show. Mm -hmm. It is incredibly unlikely now that WWDC is happening. There was one last uh, kind of bastion to fall, which was Google I.O., in my opinion. Like, uh, we have been talking about this as everybody has, right? So, like... The three of us and John Voorhees, we talk all the time in a in a text channel, and we have been talking and following all of the events that keep getting cancelled. And I've been saying the entire time, it's all on Google I.O. If Google I.O. goes ahead, WWDC was going to go ahead. But if Google I.O. is cancelled, Apple cannot do WWDC. Because, like, uh, this is, it's all about, and it's where, you know, obviously coronavirus is becoming a a, it is a problem it's a big problem right but like let's just kind of we'll just park that for the moment we all know it right like we don't need to talk about it we all know it but just from a business perspective apple cannot 
say, hey, world, do you want to come to us? <laughs> let's, let's all be in a single building, 5,000 people. And Irrespective in- of the mm-hmm. safety of the individuals, just from like a public relations standpoint, you cannot be the only company right now who's no. like, no, we want you to come over here to our house. Is that cool? The like, optics of it would be terrible. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, bless them South by Southwest. They're like hanging on. Uh, they're still going ahead at the I moment. Mean, no, but everything else. going there anymore. So. Yeah. Every, everyone's pulling out of it and everything else is getting canceled. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, Google I.O. was canceled yesterday as we're recording this. It was going to be in May. So probably about about three or four weeks before WWDC likely would have been. Um they haven't really announced what their plans are going to be, but you would expect there will still be a keynote probably presented from Google's campus on May 12th, but they've not said anything about that yet. And they're refunding everybody uh, because people bought tickets. But this is something I thought this was really nice, actually. If you won the lottery and were able to buy a ticket, you your lottery win is rolled over to 2021. Hmm. That's nice. So they probably won't do a lottery in 2021, and then everybody who had a 2020 ticket secured, they will automatically get a ticket for 2021 to buy, like the opportunity to buy again. Right. Which I think is the right way to do it, right? Because like these systems are so difficult. It's like such a shame if someone's like, "Yes, I'm finally going to Google I/O," and like, "No, we're going to cancel it now. Here's your money back." (laughs) Nobody knows where this virus is going to go and where it's going to be by that time of the year, right? It could be better. It could be worse. It could be the same. And every single day, it seems like it's it is changing a lot, right? Like that, it's getting better and worse depending on where you are in the world, right? Like it's it's a real tricky situation. No company should be holding a large scale event right now. You just shouldn't be doing it. So, you know, obviously, it's a real bummer if WWDC is cancelled. Like that's it's a shame because it's like a real nice community event. Obviously, we won't be doing our live show. Um, because you know <laughs> we're not going to go to San Jose on our own. Uh, it will be just it will be unsafe to do any live show with a you know a large gathering of people. There was like a moment where I was like, oh, I wonder if we would do a live show somewhere else. But it's like no, in the same reason that there's no WWDC, we would not invite a large group of people mm-hmm. to come together. Um, so it's a real shame, but this is probably the way it's going to go, and. I wonder what Apple will do. Uh, Jason Snow had a really good piece on Macworld. Uh, me and him have been talking about it over the last couple of weeks on Upgrade as well. Uh, you know what? The, what do you guys think Apple will actually end up doing uh, for that week in WWC's place? So this was one of the topics that we tried to discuss on the talk show, and I think the more I think about it, the more I believe that Apple should do two things. At the very least, there should be some kind of keynote, uh, like uh, because well, let me say that I think there there will be a WWDC. It just will not be an in-person event. Mm-hmm. There should be some kind of day one announcement in the form of a keynote or something else. Because a new version of iOS and iPadOS and all the other OSs, they should come out. They must come out, arguably. Um, and so I believe there should be a keynote. Now, should it be like? A keynote where it's only Apple employees in the audience and it's held at Apple Park and it's effectively Apple presenting to Apple and then the event is also streamed, maybe. Could it be a keynote where 
some members of the press are invited. In theory, that would be the the less unusual thing to do, but also you're still inviting a bunch of people from all over the world. And I don't see Apple saying, oh, we're inviting the press, but not from Italy, not from China, not from Singapore, not from, you know, either you invite them all or you just don't. So there should be a keynote, but I'm not sure if it should be like a media-only keynote or a, a keynote where it's Apple executives presenting. The to... thing that they get to do with that, though, is they don't have to make that decision until like exactly. the end exactly. of May. So that they can wait. Also, yeah. Apple is in a is in a f- kind of funny situation because Apple does not pre-announce WWDC, right? Unlike Google I.O., uh, it, Apple just likes to say, oh, we're doing WWDC again. If you ask Apple, like... In 2019, uh, when are you going to do WWDC 2020? And they always reply, who said there's going to be a WWDC 2020? It's one of those things where like everybody knows there's going to be WWDC next year, but Apple does not confirm that until it's officially announced. So what I think they should do is WWDC this year should be a, an online event in the form of sessions that can be still made available. Um, as videos with a presenter on stage or they can just be slides with engineers talking and Apple has the tech to do this. They could be live, they could be pre-recorded. It's, I mean, we have daily WWDC sessions now anyway. It's been the case for the past couple of years, I believe. So there'll just be online sessions. Now, one of the benefits of WWDC if you're a developer is that you get to you get to attend and you get to do networking, right? You get to meet people, you get to talk to fellow developers in real life, and mostly you get to talk to Apple face to face at the labs. So if you if you're a developer and you have some problems with your code and you want to get an Apple employee to look at it, you can physically go to a lab at the convention center and schedule an appointment and you're gonna get the help that you need from Apple engineers. Now of course that may be tricky to replicate online. Although, again, it's not impossible. I could see a scenario where developers can schedule a virtual meeting with an Apple engineer, and instead of talking to them in real life, you could just talk to them with an Apple developer chat program, right? It's not impossible. Uh, And, you know, Apple has faced uh, technical limitations that were much more difficult in the past. Now, here we're talking about streaming a bunch of videos and creating a virtual meeting (laughs) <laughs> type of type of service for developers because mm-hmm. I do believe that they should continue to offer some kind of virtual labs for people because that's one of the real benefits of WWDC getting the answer that maybe to, to a bug that maybe you've been trying to fix for a few months and you talk to an Apple to an Apple employee and you have a solution honestly that should be a service all year long <laughs> but how would they limit that well, they can't do that because then people would never get their work done. Right. Also, right? I, so get the, that. The, I get that. The thing that. is like how, I mean, the the 5,000 number of people that get to go to WWDC is the inherent limit, right? Mm-hmm. That's the limit you can make. Uh, how would they limit a virtual thing? Like, I don't would know. Would it be like a customer be... service thing? <laughs> you just get in the queue and like, you are 600 in line, right? Like, that's the problem, right? I guess it could be like a Genius Bar appointment where you go to the web page and it shows you all the available slots for you. 
Maybe that. Could I figure be... they could use the lottery system to whittle people down and then allow those people the ability to join a queue, right? Mm-hmm. And also, I want to say maybe this is because this is one of the the problems of modern Apple that I see mentioned, especially lately, very frequently on Twitter. Maybe this is an opportunity for Apple to write better documentation. Uh, this has been a problem in the past couple of years. The documentation for certain APIs has been. I don't want to say poorly written, just absent <laughs> until September. So maybe this is also an opportunity for Apple to provide better documentation, better explanation in the developer docs. I guess so that it's more that it may force them, right? May force them, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think there should be a WWDC, should be an online one this time. Uh, I know that it's a bummer because you know part of WWDC, the beauty of it is the experience in real life. But what you got to do, you're not going to release any OS updates this year? No, of course you are. If you're Apple, you want to release, you want to launch a new iPhone and that iPhone has a new version of iOS on it. So um, they should do it, but it should be streamable and everything. As much as possible, it should be an online deal. I know what they could name this. Go on. It could be WWVC, Worldwide Virtual Conference. Okay. I still, I don't know if they need to rename it. I don't <laughs> I think that's the thing. Uh, I I saw somebody say online, which I thought was a good point, which is like, you know, one obvious reason why you don't want this is you don't want all of your engineers to get sick. Yeah. Right. Like it, right. Because, because then it's not that, oh, we didn't do WWDC this year. So, oh, we didn't release software this year because <laughs> right. uh-huh. <laughs> we have nobody here. Yeah. Right. Because we, we threw everybody in a room with the world and then they all started touching each other. Uh, <laughs> uh, which is a, a strange sentence. Um, I this is it. Yeah, I, I I see a lot of people. They're like, "Oh, Apple doesn't want to do WWDC. This gives them the excuse to never have to do it again." I do not subscribe to that theory. I, I genuinely believe that Apple and its employees do value this conference because they they know it's a community event. And Apple have done lots of things over the last few years to further that, right? Like they always have that page on their site where they promote some other things that's happening. They make uh, their executives available for interviews and on mm-hmm. podcasts and stuff. Like I, I believe, and, and I also think that Apple like the kind of rock feel that it has, you know? You're like, oh, we got our own festival and it's like a great yeah. thing. And and I think that these companies do enjoy this and they like to be able to do this. You know, and you know, and I bet the executives especially enjoy it, right? That they get to walk out on stage and they have these great moments and they get to hear people be really excited about the work that's going on. And and I bet the people that that present the sessions feel the same, right? That they get to have what, they're not, you know, w, Apple employees are not allowed to interact with people, right? And and the, being able to see the excitement and hear the excitement mm-hmm. must, and be able to finally share what they're working on, like all of that stuff, I expect is highly valued. And to, yeah, skipping to have one that, year doesn't mean it goes forever. To have that public attribution of your work, to mm-hmm. have your work recognized, I think that's important to engineers. And I also want to say that, besides the usual issues that we mentioned, like how how world developers go to the labs. I also want to point out all the other important events of WWDC, like, for example, the accessibility uh, events and, you know, the meetups, uh, being able for different members of, 
you know, the, the accessibility community to gather and to talk to each other and to talk to Apple and to talk to engineers and provide feedback in real life, that's important, right? And it's also an aspect that we should consider. All these other uh, events that happen around WWDC, not just the sessions and the labs, but there's so much more going on. And I, I, The scholarship program. The scholarship, I mean... God, that's absolutely so important, right, to get these young developers, hundreds of them, to travel from all over the world and get an opportunity to meet Apple executives and engineers. And those will be the future engineers, it's very likely, that work at Apple. And so there's so much value to, this, to, the, communi- to the community aspect of it and being able to gather people and let them talk to each other and meet and discuss ideas and problems and solutions. That is so important, and which yeah. is such a shame if it's going to be an online-only event because you're going to lose that aspect. I mean, it's, you know, it just happens. But at the very least, you will retain the fact that you have new software coming out and therefore new apps and new features and new products. WWDC. WWVC. Oh, yeah, VC. Sorry, sorry. Worldwide Venture Capital. No! (laughs) (laughs) This episode of Connected is also brought to you by Bowl and Branch, the folks who make the softest organic sheets and luxury bedding. If you're looking to add a little luxury to your life, then this is for you. My wife and I got a set of Bowl and Branch sheets, and the unboxing experience alone was just out of this world. So good, right? I want everything to come in fancy boxes now. They're like, there's like a box with a ribbon built into it. It's like, oh, hello. Yeah, it's very nice. And the bedding is just, it's so great. The products are made with uncompromised quality, with attention to detail every step of the way. They're meticulously crafted from pure 100% organic cotton. And they're such high quality because of that cotton. It's organic, long, staple cotton, which means bowl and branch sheets get softer over time. They're honestly so soft they're the only bedding loved by three U.S. presidents. And if you didn't know already, bowl and branch are the good guys when it comes to ethical manufacturing. All of their factories prioritize worker empowerment and sustainable incomes. 100% of that fancy packaging is made from recycled paper. And they're the first manufacturer of linens to be fair trade certified. You really need to give these a try. Shipping is always free. You can try them out for 30 nights risk-free. And right now, you can get $50 off your first set of sheets at bowlandbranch.com with the promo code CONNECTED. Go there now. Upgrade your bedding. You won't regret it. One final time, that's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L, and branch.com, the promo code CONNECTED. Our thanks to Bowl and Branch for the support of this show and Relay FM. Listener, friend of the show, Vidit, sent in a concept that they've been working on for iPad multitasking. So we were talking about this last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is maybe my favorite concept that I've seen so far about how somebody could improve um, multitasking. So there's a couple of things going on here. Uh, Vidit is basically addressing three major areas. One is to, pro- and this is from Vidit's tweet, I'll include it in the show notes so you can watch the video, to provide a clear path to launch any app in split screen. And this is done by this little icon on the top right-hand corner next to the clock. You tap this icon and you get a little grid view pop-up of your applications. So you can add another one in, right? Very simple. So that's how you add an app into the screen. 
the second is to clearly show which app is in focus, and this is done in two ways. One, the out the app that is not currently being interacted with is slightly grayed out, uh, which is so it's still visible if you need to see it, but it's much cleaner to see which one is in focus. Plus, in the top left hand corner, the two apps that are in split screen, their names are written there, and one is uh, the the in-use one is both highlighted and larger in font size. And as you switch between them, this switches from left to right, which is very nice. And also, it simplifies the multitasking screen by also adding in Control Center into that area. Um, So Control Center and multitasking all in one place uh, with the dock there as well. So I I just think this is a really useful, clean, powerful, and simple version of ipad multitasking i think is really great yeah it does of course introduce a new visual element that takes away somewhat from from the app experience and that would be the the taller status bar uh, which of course needs to be taller because I bet Vidit designed this to account for the fact that uh, tappable elements must be, I believe, at least 44 points in size in the iOS and iPadOS UI. So the status bar needs to be taller, but as you said, it's simpler and powerful at the same time, and it clarifies a lot of the confusion that is typically associated with split view. It doesn't necessarily take away from the dock in the sense that Vidit doesn't show this, but you may as well just invoke the dock as usual and just use drag and drop because it doesn't seem to suggest that drag and drop is just eliminated altogether. There's just a basic, more intuitive way. And also I want to say... um. 100% on board with the idea of putting Control Center in the app picker. This is something that I've always wanted to have. And of course, if you're going to have a button in the upper right corner of the status bar, which is also where Control Center is activated right now, well, then you would have to move Control Center. And I do believe that the app picker is where Control Center should be. Uh, what I like in Vidit's concept that I hadn't noticed before, Federico, is when that button is clicked, the dock also appears. Mm-hmm. So you would then be able to, I guess, drag and drop out of there. Yeah. I hadn't noticed that because the Twitter web player puts all of its UI <laughs> over that area. Uh, so yeah, it's really nice. I like the inclusion of the app name in the status bar. You know, the Mac does that. We have the menu bar, and right now mine says Safari because I'm looking at our Google Doc in a browser, and that is a nice little thing of hey, this works on the Mac, but we're gonna bring it to iPad OS in a way that is like native and makes sense there. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I like a lot about this. I really do. And if it is additive to what we have now, then people who are used to the the drag and drop and the swipey deal, then you can just do that. But if you want to use this little button and this new UI, I think it's a nice middle ground. Do I think that this is what iOS 14 is going to look like? No, but uh, just because, like, what is the chances of, of this happening? But I do think that this is, like, just another... Basically, what I like about these things is they give me hope that there are ways to make this system better because smart people are able to come up to come up with them. Vidit is a very talented developer um, and designer. Am I losing my mind? Or was multitasking and the uh, control center stuff wasn't that in one screen on some device at some point didn't that used to be I believe it was either in in a leak or that's what it was uh, it was leaked to like be in on a... the in the iPhone yes we have seen this before but I do not believe it ever actually made it to a shipping version of I iOS. think I think you're right it never was in a shipping version but I 
I distinctly remember this image of an iPhone screen showing the control center mm-hmm. next to the to the app picker, like on the same level. Frankly, that could have just been a concept one, you know, like one of the many, many concepts mm, that have done maybe. this. I mean, it's better than the iOS 8 deal of putting your contacts in multitasking. Do you remember that? Oh, my God. Yes, I do. It's kind of just like the contacts in the share square. That name's not going to take off, I hope. It's going to, it's going to, ta- I'm telling you right now, it's taken off. It's good. It's better than share sheet. And uh, I'm just going to keep saying it. So. so I'm obviously behind on some podcast episodes. Cortex. Here. Okay. Yes, I'm behind. Gray's mum uh, refers to it as the share square. And both me and Gray think that that is a vastly superior name than share sheet. The share square. Share square sounds cuter. And also the icon is a square with an arrow pointing out of it. Sure. And uh, it's a much nicer name and makes more sense than share sheet. Mm, share square. That. The share square. It's mm, easier yeah. to say and more fun. I mean, why not? Right? Exactly. Why not? Well, except for the fact that you hate nicknames for things. But maybe it's just hardware. I don't know. I have some real-time follow-up. Oh, no. Is it canceled? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Stevensmerch.com. With a PH and a V, both now redirect to the store. Was that the real-time follow-up? Yeah. Steven's merch. Was it worth it interrupting <laughs> to do com. that? Hey, man. I got, I got bills to pay. Uh, there's also a link, iOS 8. Oh, yeah. So people will remember what that looked like. Mm-hmm. Because I thought was... that was your real-time follow-up. Oh, no. That link in the no, no. Come on, that'd be silly. Stevensmerch.com almost sounds like Craigslist or something. I it feel does. like you could, you could really like, adapt that into like, a bigger thing. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is Craigslist because of somebody named Craig? Yeah. yeah. It's the founder. Oh, my God. It was the guy Craig. Oh, my God. And, you know, like MySpace was just Tom's space. He was just referring to himself. I just I just thought that, that Craig's was like a word for mm. something Craig, in Craig uh, Newmark. It's like, hey, you want to buy some Craig's? Craig had a list. (laughs) He has given given away like millions and millions of dollars, which is really cool. So like a guy named Craig. Oh, my God. So it's not. Oh, my. Yeah. We'll put Craig Newmark's Wikipedia page in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) This is like this is like that time when I discovered that the word Christian comes from Jesus Christ. I had that realization at 14. So quite late in my life. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I know. I know. All right, Federico, I have been wanting to talk talk to you about this <laughs> for a while. What in the world does the Shift Screen app do? This seems like something that shouldn't work. Okay, uh, so this utility is a new app for iPad. Uh, and I believe it's also on the iPhone, but I've only used it on the, on the iPad. Um, so what it does is it takes advantage of the existing APIs for external displays to let you display in full screen, so with no pillar boxing, either a web page or a document on an external monitor. So what you can do here is when you open shift screen, you essentially have two different views. It can be a web view or it can be a document view, like a document preview. You create multiple tabs in shift screen and then you decide what do you want to put on the external display. And the, on the external display, because of the existing full-screen APIs that developers, usually game developers, use, you can see a web page or a PDF document or something else without the black bars at the sides of, the, of, of that view. Now, 
this is quite ingenious because, of course, this API was not meant for this kind of utility. But due to a weird iPadOS uh, like legacy feature, you can use Shift Screen. So follow me here. You can use Shift Screen in Split View next to something else. And you will be you even though you have two apps active at the same time on your iPad, if Shift Screen is on the left side of the split view and only on the left side, it'll still be able to output a full screen view what? of the external <laughs> monitor. What? So this is a legacy feature in that okay. in the days of iOS of iOS 9, the leftmost app was considered the primary app. Yep. That's yeah. right. And that was never changed uh, behind the scenes. So if you put scre- shift screen on the right, it will not work. But if you put it on the left, and it can be in any split view size, even the compact one. So you can have a tiny shift screen window on the left side of split view. And then a bigger, say, I don't know, Safari or Mail um, window on the right side. And then on the external monitor, you will still get like a full screen web page or a full screen document. So if you want to have like a reference document or a reference web page on an external display while still working on your iPad with something else, this lets you do it. And I've been talking to I've been talking to the developer, like there's some features uh, that I wanted to see, and the developer was kind enough to add them. So now you can define like a resolution, a custom resolution, a custom uh, zoom size for the external window, for the external monitor, sorry. Um, I believe uh, they're also working on like better media playback. So maybe in the future you will be able to have like a video playing on the external monitor. Mm. But the idea here is that you just put it on the left side of split view on the iPad, it'll still be considered the primary app by the system. And because of that, you will be able to put right now just web pages and documents on an external monitor. What does document mean? uh, PDF documents, uh, any other document that is uh, previewable with quick look on your iPad. In files. In in files, yeah. There's a files picker and you just pick a document and it previews. Now, I've been using this uh, as part of a bigger story that I'm working on, but I've been using this with uh, portable external monitors. So I'm trying a couple of them at the moment. These are like monitors that you just are portable. They have a built-in battery and you just plug a USB-C cable. They're called iPads. <laughs> no, they're, but that's it, right? They, they're not computers. They're just portable, uh, usually 1080p, 15-inch monitors. Uh, it's literally just the screen. And you plug in the USB-C cable or an HDMI cable, and you just use the monitor. And this way, I can work on my iPad, but also have a monitor next to me. If I Usually, if I, if I don't want to work in the bedroom, uh, like I can put the monitor on the kitchen table and I have I can have a web page on the on another side and of course that web page you can scroll uh, from shift, uh, shift screen you can you can swipe and scroll the web page same with the documents like you can't like copy text out of it or anything I'm assuming because um, it's just sure. a presentation isn't it? it it's just a presentation you can mirror the UI so I I want to say that maybe there's a, I'm not sure though I haven't tried to copy. Maybe, Maybe in the mirroring yeah. mode, though, right? Like, you could do more. So, like, when you're looking at a web page in the full screen, what are you seeing in shift screen? What is it showing you? Uh, I, that's what I was trying to say. I think you can choose. Uh, you can have, like, a touchpad 
or maybe you can have a, a smaller version of the page. I believe okay. usually just like a virtual touchpad and you use that to scroll. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is, of course, this is ideal for like uh, teachers or anybody who wants to do presentations while also continuing to work on something else at the same time. So like if you want to do a lecture uh, and you also need to do something else while presenting, you can put shift screen on the left side. People will just see the web page or document that you want to show them. But on the right side, you can continue using Safari or maybe you can tweet and pretend to be paying attention or whatever. Have you ever given a lecture? Because I don't know what you think is happening whilst the lecture's going on, right? That like someone's like, "Oh, just hang on a minute. I have, Let me just send this tweet." I mean, <laughs> it's it feels within the realm of possibility to me that somebody right. has done a lecture so many times that they could tweet at the same time. But also, I have given pre a presentation, and the thought of other things occurred to me while talking. So, like, uh, I am capable of. Um, brain multitasking i guess right but would, um, do you think you could have been able to record them in any way whilst giving the presentation i don't know i haven't tried that i remember just... how like nervous and focused you were like i would be surprised yeah i don't know maybe i wouldn't be able i mean i also i'm not a professional professional lecturer mm, true true really it, it feels that way sometimes <clears throat> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nice joke, Dad. Uh, <laughs> you did it. You, uh, you, you still you, got it. You still found, got it. You found the one joke that worked. Um, <laughs> oh. So, yeah, I mean, shift screen um, shouldn't be a thing, but it's a thing. And then, of course, all the limitations of the current external monitor system apply. You cannot interact with that, with that screen using yeah. a mouse or a cursor and all that. But... If you want to have a web page or a document and maybe, again, maybe in the future media on an external monitor, uh, this is a solution for now. This feels like it's going to break at any moment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's just, it's like, it's a generic bridge to an external display. It's what it is that lets you pick the kind of content that you want to have on the external display. But I believe this is the kind of thing that as soon as Apple makes it like a proper uh, feature of iPadOS, this is going to mm -hmm. break. Usually that's how it goes. All right, we have a little bit more to go, but let me tell you about our third sponsor. This episode of Connected is brought to you by SaneBox. Getting your inbox down to zero is almost impossible these days. We all get a lot of email, and sometimes the important stuff, like that email from your accountant or your significant other, it gets lost with things that don't matter at all. And that's where SaneBox comes in. As messages come in, SaneBox will triage them for you, sorting out those important emails from the noise. It will put what matters in your inbox with all the distracting stuff landing in your Sane Later folder, which lets you deal with what's important right now and review everything else when it suits you. SaneBox has a bunch of nifty features like the Sane Black Hole, where you can drag messages from annoying senders and never hear from them again. Insane reminders, so you can noti be notified if someone hasn't replied to your email by a certain date. Best of all, you can use SaneBox with any email client or phone. It works wherever you check your mail. I've used SaneBox for so long now, I really can't imagine my email life without it. I get a ton of email and it really does an amazing job. And what's great is that I can train it. So if it puts something where I don't want it, I can just drag it out and it learns what I want over time. 
See how SaneBox can work its magic to remove distractions from your inbox by getting a free two-week trial right now. Visit SaneBox.com connected to start your free trial, and you'll also get a $25 credit when you sign up. That's SaneBox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash connected. Our thanks to SaneBox for the support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so we wanted to wrap up this week by talking about mini LED. And this comes from uh, a new rumor uh, that basically is saying, I'm just going to list these, a 12.9-inch iPad Pro, a 27-inch iMac Pro, a 14.1-inch MacBook Pro, a 16-inch MacBook Pro, a 10.2-inch iPad, a 7.9-inch iPad mini, potentially a new Apple Watch, would all ship with mini LED technology from 2020 to 2021. That's a lot of stuff. Are you getting it? This is not. These are not 12 products. This is, this one, is one product. This is one product. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Just, With mini LED, we have just, created the transformers of computers. It's everything. Oh, uh, Stephen, okay. can you start, before we dig into these actual products, can you actually tell us what mini LED is? Yes, I can. So if you think about a regular non-OLED display. So OLEDs are totally different, but like a regular LCD, like in your uh, your MacBook right now, it has backlight LEDs. And one thing that makes the Pro Display XDR special is that it has a lot of them and they're arranged in local dimming zones. And what this means is that the uh, software can tell the screen, okay, this part needs to be darker than this part. And the more local dimming zones you have, you get higher contrast ratios and more dynamic range. Again, this is why the Pro Display XDR is special. It's not OLED, but I forget the number, but it's it's a, a ton of these local dimming zones with these backlight LEDs. What mini LED does is it makes the those LED components smaller, much smaller. And so you can not only cram in more of them, but you can cram in more local dimming zones so you can get even better contrast and dynamic range than you could get from a typical LED backlit display. So OLED, of course, has really good dynamic range and really great contrast because black and OLED are pixels that are off. LEDs can't do that, but with ones that are smaller and with more dimming zones, you can get closer to it. So uh, it could pave the way for a nice display improvement without making everything in our lives OLED. And if you think about a computer display, there are a lot of manufacturers making OLED notebooks, and you can do a couple of OLED external displays, but you have burn-in issues, and that's a bigger deal on something like a, a desktop operating system where, say, the menu bar and the dock are the same place for years on end, as opposed to a phone where UI elements change over a lot more often. So this could be a way forward for Apple in improving their displays without going to OLED. And clearly, thank you very much for that, and clearly with that kind of product turnover in two years, this is going to be like the new Retina. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. So I obviously haven't seen any mini LED displays. This is new technology. So I don't know if it will be even noticeable to most people, but or at least in a way that's like super meaningful. So 
it, I mean it, it more in a way like Apple will create probably a brand name for this screen and then it will like come to everything. They're going to give it some ridiculous name and yeah, it will roll out. So yes, and that, yes, sorry, I misunderstood what you said. And that way, yes, it'll be like Retina where it just, or True Tone or anything else where it spreads. Mm-hmm. But I think it's in terms of things you notice, I think it's going to be kind of like True Tone. Like some people see it, some people don't, but it makes everybody's life better, even if they don't realize it. I think this will be something that you mostly notice when consuming content, like watching video, looking at pictures, mm-hmm. right? Like, because that's where people, I think, care the most about the HDR and contrast and stuff, right? Like, oh, yeah. I kind of, you know, so it's going to be good there. Um, but so, in this, so that's this technology, you know, like there isn't, we don't really know how Apple exactly going to implement it yet. So, there maybe isn't too much we can talk about specifically with that. But the thing that is, I think, even, as if not more interesting uh, from Minchi Kuo's report here is the kind of the amount of products listed and the timeframes for some of them. So one of the, one of these things is iMac Pro and iPad Mini for 2020. They're the only two dates that that uh, Kuo was given in this particular report. Uh, Kuo previously did say that a 16-inch MacBook Pro with mini LED would also come in Q4 2020, but that's not in this current note, Right. so we'll see. Uh, he did also, again, say the same about a 12.9-inch iPad Pro, uh, which, if that's the case, you know, that could be, you know, we've spoken about this, like, second iPad Pro, maybe in later in the year, mm-hmm. that it could get 5G and the mini LED, um, the iMac Pro being listed here is great because it means that it lives. Because I, I mean, I basically come to the conclusion that there was it was one and done, but clearly not. These reports from him are very component based, which is why I put a lot of I think all of us put a lot of credence into what he says. You know, this being an iMac Pro versus the regular iMac, I mean, maybe that's muddy because the regular iMac is not here for reasons we can talk about. But very clearly, Apple is moving forward with this technology, and they feel confident enough to basically put it in everything they're going to update over the next couple of years, it looks like. You know, maybe the the MacBook Air is not in this list. I don't know. I don't think that's been mentioned previously, but that's a low-end notebook. It just got True Tone in, in its first revision, and so maybe that one you know, falls behind a little bit. But in a bunch of the nice hardware, at least, Apple's going to be moving this direction. Um, the uh, rumored MacBook Pro, smaller MacBook Pro, is, I think, maybe for one of the first times given a size, yep. 14.1 inches, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of around what people would expected, that it would go to 14 yeah. for many reasons, right? One, just because the 15 went to 16, but also because then it further differentiates it from the iPad Air, uh, from the MacBook Air. <laughs> also different from the iPad Air. <laughs> They're very differentiated now. <laughs> yeah. So, but here's the thing, right? So, uh, Quo is saying, you know, sometime in 2020, 2021 for this 14.1 inch MacBook Pro with mini LED, do you think that we will get a regular LED version sooner or does this product not appear at all until then? I think we see a regular one sooner. Look, they've got to do something with that keyboard. And I I think it's totally fine if they revise any of these products before then and they just go to mini led at some point down the road and remember like Like, i could see like a kick in the can down the road kind of thing where like you do 
the 14.1 say in the spring and then in like october you do the 16 inch of mini led and then the following year the 14 follows up again and and apple has put the macbook pro on pretty much an annual cycle more or less since 2016 and so that would fit in with that say there's a 14.1 this spring you know coronavirus and world economy crashing aside say there's one in the spring and then the 16 will be a year old this fall so it gets the new display and the 14 follows next year i think that's a totally natural path for this to follow uh regular imac is not listed at all here um do you think i mean my my initial thought was that it could be a price thing that yeah, could they be. may still redesign the imac but they don't want to put a mini led in it yet i don't know yeah, I don't know either. I mean, if the MacBook Air is out for price, maybe the the iMac is as well. Or it could be, and I, I don't, I'm not basing this on anything, so you know, take that for the grain of salt. It could be that larger displays are, are trickier or a lot more expensive than small displays with this. Because you think about the LEDs being smaller, you need even more of them. And so it may be that the iMac Pro price can absorb this cost of this component, but the 27 and 21 inch iMac can't. And so maybe it would get it a few years down the road. I mean, look, the iMac, well, Apple's done a good job at keeping the GPU and the CPU updated on a pretty regular basis. To your point, the design is old, but it's, you can still get them with a spinning hard drive and all of that stuff. So maybe the iMac just, uh, just follows uh, along a few years later. I'm not really sure. There was a report uh, from... Well, there was some tweets sent out by an, a noted leaker who goes by the name CoinX on Twitter. This person like accurately predicted a bunch of stuff about the iPhone, like the name and stuff like that. Um, they tweeted today. They don't tweet very often. Mm -hmm. uh, they tweeted today two tweets, one saying iMac and Mac mini soon and that there is a new camera on the iPad and it's great, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, so this would suggest that there is an iMac update coming, but I wonder if... Well, again, it's been about a year, and that's yeah. a, about where Apple's been the last few years with it. So it could just be, uh, you know, just a regular... Like like last year, right? You guys covered an upgrade really well. That was just a pretty boring spec bump of the iMac. Apple made a big deal of it, but it wasn't a big deal. And maybe the iMac is just on that cycle and the Mac Mini as well. Hey, there's new processors. Maybe there's some new GPU options. We've tinkered with the configs a little bit, but it's basically the machine that that you know today. It would be a shame if they... Uh, you know, the iMac deserves something. It does. It totally deserves a redesign. And especially the iMac Pro... It's like, this is a really powerful machine. You've put it in the same case. So who knows what um, what will happen there. I, it does feel like it's all due, whether it comes with this or not. I mean, who knows? Uh, there was also, there has also been, pre this has been previously rumored that micro LED was going to come to the Apple Watch. Yeah. I wonder if this would be the first product. Yeah. So micro LED is everything I said about mini LED, but even smaller again. So right, it's, okay. it's degrees of tininess and. Oh, yeah. Because it's not the same mini and micro. Mi right. Micro is micro. Mini. Okay. Yeah. Micro, mini, and then regular. So that, that rumor's been around for a long time. And it may be that the Apple Watch goes to micro LED and everything else gets mini LED. And just over time, everything gets smaller because all the benefits are there. What's interesting, though, is the Apple Watch is OLED now. And so, and, and one thing that's really nice about the Apple Watch, even with the always-on display, is that the blacks are just off. And so it's really good on battery, and it looks really good with the black surround on the watch face. 
And can, if micro LED can really mimic what OLED does, that would be awesome. But for my understanding, that's even like mini LED is a step towards that and micro is even further. So maybe micro is just on the watch for a while. But if Apple does replace the OLED display on the Apple watch with the micro LED, they're really making a statement that this is as good as OLED. And I would expect that we would see it on things like the iPhone Pro and other devices in the future as well. There's one last product that I'm interested in here, which is uh, the old iPad mini. (laughs) Uh I got one right here iPad mini uh, being mentioned here is interesting. I would love to see a redesign mm-hmm. of this product. Can you imagine an iPad mini with uh, with no bezels and how amazing that could be? It'd be about the size of your big iPhone. Well, no. it's no. not technically true, but yeah. sure, we we can do that if you want. Um, but wouldn't that be cool though? Like if you just had that 7.9 inch screen with a thin bezel around the outside, that'd be nice. It'd be super cool. That's what I have to say. So I just think it would be nice. It'd be very nice. It would be weird to see, uh, them not do something different with that. Like, I wouldn't want to say face ID because again, like I, I don't know if face ID going into the future is going to be the only thing that Apple have, right? Like Mm -hmm. whether they would go back to touch ID in some way. I think it it would be really interesting to see what they do with that. I cannot believe that they would still, they would do all of that. Like they would put that screen in it, but keep the design the same, keep the touch ID and the home button. That'd be kind of weird. Do we want to talk about the upcoming iPad Pro? Well, um, I mean, yes, we saw that, like, um, I saw a report a couple of days ago that um, basically on the line, along the lines of um, there's limited stock of iPad Pro units at some Apple stores. So maybe it could be a sign that a new iPad Pro is coming, but also maybe it may be nothing. It may just be the impact, the impact of coronavirus. Yeah. Um, and as usual with these things, like it could be this or it could be nothing. So like that, that was quite funny. Uh, but if we believe the timeline there that a new iPad Pro was supposed to be to come out in the spring, then maybe, you know, we're in March. So in theory, a new iPad may come out this month, uh, which is kind of wild to think about because we're basically, you know, we've, we've had a couple of rumors, but that's it. We know that there's a new camera and there maybe there's going to be a smart keyboard with a trackpad. Uh, which, uh, you know, I have it in my queue, an episode of Upgrade where Mike and Jason talked about this that I want to listen to. This is a report coming from The Information. Uh, Of course, this was, I believe it was rumored at some point in the past, but now The Information is putting their weight behind this report saying Apple is planning this new keyboard. And again, we know nothing. We know, like, how is it going to work from an ergonomic standpoint? What's it going to look like? How big is the trackpad going to be? And personally, I believe it's going to be a small trackpad. I don't think it's going to be a MacBook size giant trackpad. I think it's going to be a small one like the Surface uh, has, for example, with the Surface Cover keyboard. I think it's going to be a small one. And I personally believe it's going to be uh, not just for text editing. Uh, I believe if Apple decides to to use that premium space for a physical trackpad, that trackpad better be used for everything in the iPadOS UI. Uh, but 
this is all we have. We have no other design details. We have no details on the materials being used. Uh, it's very likely that it's going to look like a smart keyboard with the same fabric and the same smart connector system, but with the addition of a trackpad and maybe, a of course, I, I suppose a different angle for the iPad because you're going to have to make room for the trackpad in front of the keyboard. Uh, I've seen some wild speculations and concepts from people saying, what if the keyboard was the trackpad? What if you could just swipe your fingers over the keys and the keys are also a trackpad? And I, think I would hate that so much. I would hate that because it would feel weird. And also, like these futuristic ideas, they make sense. Like they make some sense when they're a concept, but then in practice, you know, physics comes in and say, hey guys, I'm this thing called physics and you're really can do that um, hey guys physics here physics here <laughs> that it's not possible so uh i think it's gonna be a trackpad a small one nothing revolutionary uh from from you know a trackpad standpoint but absolutely important for the ipad as a product so mm -hmm. this is where we're at maybe a new ipad is coming out within the next 26 days or 20 well, march has 30 or 31 days 34 34. So maybe it's coming out in the next 30 days, uh, <laughs> or, or 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 it's not. So this is fun, and and it's supposed to have a new camera and in, you know major changes to the most important accessory. So I'm excited, but also is there going to be an event at this time? Considering all things, no. I think at this point it's it is uh, a bunch of press releases. Yeah, that's which you know. Uh, not as exciting in terms of... Uh, well, unless they want to test what uh, WWDC with no press is like and they just maybe. fill their Steve Jobs theater with a bunch maybe. of uh, employees. Maybe they're going to have uh, virtual briefings with the press. That could be a thing. Let's meet on Skype and let us tell you about the new iPad. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's exciting. I want to see this new iPad, uh, not for the camera, but for the keyboard. So we'll see. I think any reporting on the... Uh the exact like this product has shipped at this day and now it's this day later like at this point where the world is i don't i don't know if i'd read much into that like even the iphone 11 has slipped to like a week or two depending on the exact skew i think it's just uh it could be that one's coming it probably is but i think any reporting just on that at this point is a little short-sighted i'm about to go write a report there's a new iphone 11 coming because okay because it's shipped it slipped by like a week do it According to Stephen Hackett from stevensmerch.com. Stevensmerch.com. Dot com. Dot com. Okay. So uh, I think that does it for this week. If you want to find links to everything we spoke about, you can look in your podcast app or you can go to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 284. While you're there, you can send us an email with feedback or follow-up. You can become a member to support the show directly, or you can find us on Twitter. Mike is there as I-M-Y- K-E, and Mike is the host of a bunch of shows here on Relay FM. You can find Federico on Twitter as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, -C -C -I, and he's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net and the father of many HomePods. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH, and you can find all of my best work at StevensMerch.com. Dot com. I, dot com. Dot com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Bowl and & Branch, and SaneBox. Until next time, gentlemen. Say goodbye. Arrivederci. Stevensmerch.com. Adios.